your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me today, Kaya Fox, the Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity. We're going to talk about housing today. How are you doing, Kaya? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks a lot for having me, I Rick. Do, I do have a very general question here as, as a person who's probably a homeowner herself and just anyone who wants to text in. When it's mid-April, do you shovel your driveway? <laughs> I, I didn't because I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I, <laughs> I shoveled a path for the dogs, and that was as far as I went. Yeah, I, uh, last night it, it was like 1 in the morning. I'm like, man, it's still snowing. I can't believe it. And I thought about it. I just have a four-wheeler, and I was going to zip up and down the driveway. I do my neighbors when I, when I can, too. And I just went, oh, it's 1 a.m. I don't want to do it. And then I woke up today and I looked outside and the driveway was like clean as a whistle. I was like, oh, I'm glad I did not do that yesterday, even though I uh, really had a hankering to. Um, so, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. And um, the fire department today, the Lacrosse Fire Department, put out a news release uh, uh, in, in regards to flooding. They said due to the combination of heavy snow and melting, the Lacrosse Fire Department would like the community to prepare for flooding along the Mississippi, Lacrosse, and Black Rivers. Current projections show that by Friday this week, the Mississippi River near La Crosse could exceed 15 feet, placing it near the major flood stage. So everybody should be aware of that. Super fun. I think Pettibone Park is already closed, and um, this will just make it a little bit more interesting with all this snow melting. And if you didn't build a snowman today, you know, shame on you uh, for you that, that haven't, haven't done that. I think you still probably can. Um, but anyway, housing, Habitat for Humanity, uh, Kai, so first of all, you put out a questionnaire, and we'll get to these questions here in a little bit. And 608-785-7914, if anyone wants to just chime in, shoot me a text, shoot Kai a text here uh, in, in regards to the conversation we're going to have about housing. But you you put it out to all the city council candidates. Were you surprised about who, you know, the, the responses you did get from two candidates and the, 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 va- the fact that you didn't get responses from all the rest? Um, I was a little surprised. So this is the third election that we've sent out questionnaires to all of the candidates um, asking for their, you know, input on different housing issues that are facing us in La Crosse and the state of Wisconsin. And most of the time we get a really wonderful response. So this was actually the lowest response rate we've set, seen so far uh, during an election time. And, you know, I find it really surprising when housing is becoming an, an increasingly large issue um, I think for residents in La Crosse and, and people all over the United States. And I want to talk about what Habitat for Humanity La Crosse area does, but I'll just say the questions real quick. Uh, you know, and there's more to this. The questions weren't just the questions. There were some stats and some qualifiers to them. Uh, but what will you do to address housing affordability issues? And what would you do to encourage the production of more affordable homes for the families in La Crosse? Uh, next question was, what will you do to mitigate homelessness in La Crosse? Third question that was sent out to city council candidates, what meaningful steps will you take to address the root problems of racial disparities in housing? And that was supp- supplemented with a bunch of stats over racial disparities. And then the last question was actually a pair of questions. What would you do to increase housing options and improve substandard rental properties in La Crosse? And uh, combined with that was, what do you see as the role of the Economic Development Committee regarding safe and affordable housing for lacrosse residents. Is that WEDIC? Is that the Wisconsin Economic Development Committee? Is that what that is? 
what we call. Uh, we, nope. So that's one of the committees something? at the with the city uh, with the city of Lacrosse and the oh. city council. So oh, that's members at large, and then members of the city council are made there, and that's where most of the you know the HUD housing funding comes through that committee. Oh, okay. So the, the and, and more generally with, with these questions, and you put them out to the city council. I th- I think this like draws. Um, like, what's the word? I just like here's here's the housing disparities in Lacrosse. Here's housing dilemmas that Lacrosse is having. Here's our city council. Oh, by the way, the city council. These people that you know, a lot of times only twenty. We did have a pretty good turnout this time, but uh, you know, we had how many open seats for city council? People didn't even run against another. Uh, it just shows this city council is going to be tasked with some of these housing dilemmas. That's how important this is uh, to vote for these these people. Right. And, and then, and that's, ex- yep. And that's why we ask those questions. We want, you know, we feel it's really important that the, you know, the voters and the constituents in the lacrosse area are informed about their, the people that they're making elections on. And part of that information that they need to hear and we need to put in the forefront is housing because it's becoming such a big issue. Yeah. And I feel like maybe not a lot of people understand that, oh, the city council would deal with some of this stuff. Right. Like, oh, these things are actually affected. These real, real big problems that all of us face. Uh, everybody needs housing. Uh, that's something that the city council would be tasked with. Absolutely. And, you know, when I talk to younger students and, and especially like college age and you ask, you know, if, did you vote in the last presidential election? And, you know, 95 percent of the hands will go up. And then I'll say, you know, did you vote in the last city council election? And nobody's hands go up. But, you know, the day to day impacts on our lives are based on, you know, those local elections and the people who are there making the decisions that impact your your housing, your work, your roads, you know, all of those decisions are made by the city council. So we think it's really important that, you know, we ask those questions about housing to our local candidates. I mean, I could have been just a naive kid in, in middle school, high school, even college, and didn't pay attention and just didn't realize this stuff when it was taught. Or maybe it just wasn't taught, but like this, the idea that these local governments affect stuff like this, uh, man, you could really, there's a really, a, and maybe schools are doing this now, but the opportunity to hammer this home, to, to, to give people the knowledge that these are the most important races you should be voting on. This is how these things affect you day to day. But anyway, that's a whole different discussion. But uh, Kaya Fox, the executive director for Habitat for Humanity Lacrosse Area, we're going to spend the hour here talking housing, rentals, Mortgage rates, uh, these these four questions that I mentioned, and uh, just some other things. But before we get to that, Kaya, just you know, two minutes. What does you know? Can you quantify what Habitat for Humanity Lacrosse Area does uh, in two minutes? Oh, absolutely. So Habitat for Humanity is a nonprofit organization. We've been in the lacrosse community for thirty-one years now. Um, built over seventy homes. We we work with low-income families in lacrosse. Monroe, Vernon, and Trempolo counties in Wisconsin, and then also Houston County in Minnesota. And our whole mission is centered around the fact that we feel everybody deserves the right to have a safe and decent and affordable place to live. And so we have a variety of programs. You know, our number one program is our first-time homebuyer program where we build homes alongside families and volunteers um, for first-time homeowners. But we also have some critical home repair programs. We have a reclaimed salvage program. We just launched some sustainability programs. And then, obviously, we have the Habitat Restore, which you know, diverts items from the landfill, but then also the proceeds from all of that helps you know, buy the doors and the windows and the drywall that goes into the homes that we build. So we, we are at our heart you know, an organization that just truly supports and furthers the access to safe and affordable housing for everybody in our community. 
And do you always need volunteers or are you pretty good there? I mean, I, I guess everybody always could want more volunteers, but I was reading a story about nonprofits having a really hard time with volunteers. Is that a dilemma that you guys have? Um, you know, fortunately, we don't. Um, the pandemic absolutely hit us, and we had a we had definitely a huge drop in our volunteers, obviously, because we wanted everybody be, to be safe. But we've actually bounced back better than ever, and 2022 saw the largest number of volunteers and volunteer hours that we've ever seen at Habitat for Humanity. So, you know, when we talk about affordable housing in our in our community, you know, the, the lacrosse area definitely understands, and, and they step up with their time to help support what we do and to build homes for families. Yeah, and you're and this weekend, right? You're doing uh, Neighbors Day, right? You should throw that out absolutely. there too. Yeah, absolutely. So there's still an opportunity to sign up and volunteer for Neighbors Day. It's this Saturday. We're going to be meeting at the Myrick Park Center at 8 a.m. Uh, we're looking for volunteers to help elderly and disabled residents in the city of La Crosse get their yards ready for spring. We have about 200 people signed up. So the more people, the merrier. Um, we rake leaves, turn garden beds, weed gardens, wash windows trim shrubs, just all of those things that people who are elderly and disabled just can't do for themselves. And so we're going to be there hopefully on a beautiful, the snow will be gone, sunny day, and we will provide all the implements of destruction, so the rakes and the shovels. We feed you breakfast and lunch, and it's just a great way as a family, friends, to get outside. Um, and it's really hard to say enjoy the nice weather when we're looking at piles of snow outside, but I've been uh, told that it will be gone by Saturday, so... Yeah, you almost have to I think am, about I doing really, your annual Neighbors Day in May <laughs> from now on. Yes. <laughs> well, and the, the hard part is is that it's such a great event for people in the community, and so we have so many college students that love to be part of Neighbors Day, and they were part of it from the very beginning. Sure. And they're gone by May. Yeah, they're gone, yeah. So, well, Neighbors Day, if it would have so been we this just, weekend, like I mistakenly put on the website for about two minutes, uh, it would have been like, everybody come help shovel driveways or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's always that. Worst case scenario, we can help elderly and disabled residents shovel their driveways. All right, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Kai Fox, the executive director for Habitat for Humanity Lacrosse Area, is on the phone with me, spending the hour talking about housing in Lacrosse. Um, and, and you put out a questionnaire, as we said a couple minutes ago, to all the city council candidates, uh, four questions, just based on housing, which was kind of like, oh, oh, the city council is going, would would be somebody that, like, deals with housing in La Crosse. And we see, you know, we see specific things, like there's a 12-unit housing, like they want to build, like, a 12-unit apartment. That was part of the city council agenda last last Thursday as they went to their meeting. Um so very, very specifically, but these are like these are broad questions, and 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 I just want to break down some of the questions with you, Kaya, and we can kind of talk about them. But uh, one of the questions: uh, What will you do to mitigate homelessness in La Crosse? So according to Cooley Cap here in La Crosse, more than 250 people in La Crosse are homeless. Uh, when people are experiencing homelessness and are in survival mode, life expectancy can drop 20 to 30 years, which is a lot. That's a lot. A lot of years. Um, I had. I had talked about homelessness just uh, last week or the week before, just the idea that, you know, we, we closed down Huska Park, so where do these people go? Uh, can we get them into homes? Uh, how much does Habitat do, do in terms of uh, helping homeless people get into homes? 
So we do a lot of work through our advocacy committee to help support different homeless issues in the city of La Crosse. So you know, we concentrate our construction, and, and the majority of the work that we do is to get people into home ownership. Um, but because we are working through our advocacy committee, we also do a lot of you know, just educational outreach and then supporting our partner agencies in the community with their efforts um, towards homeless prevention and support. So what do you, do you have an opinion when you put this question out to city council members? Do you have like an idea? Hey, maybe they could come to me because I have ideas. I have uh, some opinions on this. You know, what will you do to mitigate homelessness in La Crosse? You know, I think the most important thing is to is to talk with the people who, you know, have lived experience and also people, you know, the organizations and agencies in the La Crosse area that truly, you know, this is what they do. They have staff. They have trained people who have really kind of dived into what are the causes and preventative measures for homelessness. And so really just getting the experts and and finding solutions that truly talk about long-term holistic approach to homelessness. And if you take a look at a lot of the different studies out there, there's not a one answer. There's multiple solutions depending on the type of homelessness that people are facing. So, you know, we all know that there are people who life circumstances happen and they become homeless. And those are a lot easier to get back into the mainstream and to house. And we want people who are, you know, all across the city. You know, we don't want to focus homelessness in one particular area. We want people to be you know, introduced into back into society and into our community. Um, But then there's issues that we see with a lot of our homeless that is, you know, the chronic homelessness. So people with severe mental illness, you know, addiction issues, those are the people that need a little bit more special care and and they need around-the-clock support and services and all of those different things. So we need to really take a step back and work with our partners and find those wonderful, wonderful solutions that are out there that address all of the unique ways that people find themselves homeless. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the things like talking about home the homeless issues is is too encapsulating because every like literally everybody has a different story to tell why they're homeless and and helping them get back into a home if, if you want to just put it the easiest way the path is different for, for almost, you know, the, the path is going to be different for everybody because their experiences are different and what they're going through is different. Um, but part of this, part of this, and I, and whether you, I don't know if you believe this or not, but I think you do, but why should everyone have the opportunity to own a home? I, I think it's really, there's a lot of different reasons. You know, the first one is more of like a moral imperative. You know, the idea that everybody should have the opportunity to purchase something that is safe and affordable, that provides wealth building, that allows them to build equity that they can use to invest in education or businesses or, you know, generational achievement. Um, so it just is a moral imperative. But there's also, like, a bigger chunk of homeownership that a lot of people don't think of. If, if people in our communities don't invest in, you know, kind of this idea of permanent housing through homeownership, like that has a huge economic impact on communities. So if people aren't buying and investing and paying property taxes and, and upkeeping homes and doing all the things that homeownership kind of brings to a community, you can see, you know, this kind of detrimental economic impact. It happened in Michigan when, you know, the car plants closed. It was a lot of people just abandoning and leaving their homes, not rentals, but their homes that caused this huge economic downturn. And so when we see 
you know, home ownership being so out of reach for so many different people, you don't have people investing back in your community. You don't have people paying, you know, upkeeping their homes and becoming part of their the fabric of the society, you know, like volunteering and giving back and, you know, getting jobs and moving up in your community when you don't have people that have that long-term commitment that homeownership provides. Yeah, and it seems to me, even even since the pandemic, home ownership has become essentially home the home prices. Would you say that just about doubled over the last four years? Oh yeah, they absolutely have. So home prices have actually risen. Um, it's in ten years um, they've more than doubled, and it was a nine percent increase over the last uh, twelve months. So you a house. Ten years ago, that was worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars is now valued at over three hundred thousand dollars now. Well, and, and when we see our cost of living, it hasn't kept up with that in any way, shape, or form. Well, and part of that too. Okay, so I guess I, I, I would say you're right. Over the last ten years, home prices have doubled. But I would say paying for a home, if I want to buy a house right now, that price has doubled because we were just talking about mortgage rates uh, to fix inflation. Yep. We've made it harder for people to buy homes for people to get to get uh, mortgages the the interest rates have, have more than maybe tripled two and a half five yeah maybe about tripled uh in the last four years i i don't under, i don't know can you maybe maybe you can't understand it but the the idea well, that mortgage rates are double whammy rick you know like not only have home prices soared over the last few years but then now we've just seen the interest rates start adjusting upwards at a fairly rapid pace so not only do you, you know, when you make a, a mortgage payment, you're paying your, your principal payment towards your house, you're paying your interest payment towards your house, and when your principal payment more than doubles, then that means you have to make more money or be able to save more money in order to buy a home. And then when your interest rates go up, you also have to either make more money or save more money. So you've got this, especially for people who are middle or lower income, it's becoming almost impossible to invest in the housing market. Yeah. And then, yeah, interest rates. So we were figuring out a $200,000 home, which would have been $100,000, $125,000 a decade ago, uh, a 30-year mortgage at 2.5%, which is, you know, a decade ago, that was that's my mortgage rate. And it was like $700 uh-huh. a month or $800 a month. And now that mortgage rate is like over 7%, which means buying the same price home, even if it's 200000 is lit- literally double the price. Uh, your your mortgage your 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 monthly cost goes from eight hundred bucks a month to thirteen hundred dollars a month. So uh, it just makes it less and less affordable. Plus, down payments are like twenty seven thousand dollars. Who has twenty seven thousand dollars laying around? Yep, and that's 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 the hard part. That's where you know if if you're lucky enough, like you and I are, to be homeowners and already have made that investment when the market was better and home prices were lower, we're reaping the benefits of this current market trend. But if you are a young family just starting out, you know, um, a middle-income person that wants to invest in your community, the, the ability to access, you know, that starter home is is becoming more and more and more impossible. And we are all starting to be more affected by the fact that these younger generations or lower-income families are not moving into homes. And so we see a lot of, you know, kids that are delaying moving out of their parents' homes because they can't afford um, home ownership or rental situations. And so we're all going to be impacted by this inability of people to kind of follow that normal way that kind of society has moved um, where people 
you know, they, they get jobs, they are doing everything that we tell them to do, and they're doing it the right way, but it just is completely out of reach. Yeah, definitely. All right, we're going to continue this conversation with Kai Fox, Executive Director at Habitat for Humanity Lacrosse Area, when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914 is the text line. If you want to get in here, shoot Kai Fox a text. She's the Executive Director of Lacrosse. Habitat for Humanity, Lacrosse Area. Is that a good acronym? I haven't done it in my head. Habitat for Humanity. It's not. There's not a great acronym. No, there, it's is not it? at all. <laughs> it's not at all. It's it's kind of a mouthful. We say Habitat Lacrosse a lot just to kind of shorten it up. Yeah, that's yeah, that's way better. And we're talking about housing, and we're kind of deep diving on some issues. And there's four questions that you put out to city council members, and we've only hit one of the questions. So I want to <laughs> I want to do that. But like we were talking about. Uh, how just housing is the prices have doubled, whether first of all, the housing price, the prices of houses have doubled. And then on top of that, the the mortgage costs, so your monthly payments have doubled. So it's almost like quadrupled the price of the the house. If you go 30 years down the road, your house is going to be four times what it was. Uh, that's my very basic math. I could be totally off on that, but that's in my head. If it's 10 years double and then the mortgage rate is doubled, you're just paying the bank more in mortgage. Uh, but that's how we're solving inflation. Somebody I've tried to have economists try to explain it but it doesn't make doesn't make sense to me and make poor make it harder for poor people to get mortgages um but is there so when that happens and ha, is there a is there a thing that what is what does habitat do what is what what do we do when when people can't afford housing anymore is there something that we can do well one of the things that has if you want to add like another triple whammy to this no um is that, yeah i know <laughs> is that you know it, I, Cost of housing has gone up, the interest rates have gone up, but we're not building affordable homes because they're not they're not marketable. You know, there's there's no value in it. We've seen the cost of you know construction materials go up. So if you want to be a developer and develop houses that make you money, affordable housing is not it. You you probably wouldn't even break even. And so not only do we have it such a high cost, but those homes aren't being built. So there's this huge, huge decrease in the number of starter and affordable homes that has been built over the past 10 years. So the supply just doesn't even exist. So that $100,000 home 10 years ago that's now $200,000, they're not even being built. The three and the four and the $500,000 houses are the ones that are coming onto the market. And so it's this just huge, giant bubble that's being created that's eventually going to burst because people are going to start demanding an opportunity to invest in home ownership and build wealth and have security for their families. And as they're raising their kids, they want a place to put down roots. And when you look all over the place and can't find something that's decent, um, people are going to start asking some questions. So we need to start taking a look at, you know, finding ways to bring down the cost of homes, but also to be putting homes on the market um, that people can actually afford. And that's not happening right now. Does that roll right back to the city council when they, they need to make decisions about some of this stuff? Like there's, there's always housing proposals that go through the council meetings and committees. Yep, absolutely. Um, and municipalities all over the United States, but including the city of La Crosse, you know, the biggest thing is to really, truly get a grip on what type of housing is needed in the community. And there's really not a lot of information out there that says, you know, specifically what we need 
at, you know, whether it's rental, whether it's home ownership, whether it's multi-unit or single family, and then what's the price point. So a lot of times in most municipalities, it's your developers, your, your house builders that are dictating what gets built in your community without taking that step back and saying, okay, well, what is the right-sized, right-price housing that we need in our community and making sure that those numbers are being met through any of the type of development that you're doing in your community. So, you know, if you're building a rental unit, you're taking a look, does this meet the needs of our community? If you're building homes, do these homes meet the price point and the need of the people who are looking for home ownership? And that deep dive doesn't typically happen, and we need to start asking those questions and getting to those answers. Uh, Ben texted in, he said, the housing market's still strong. The problem is there's no affordable housing, which is kind of what we're talking about. There's no three-bedroom house that a person can buy for under 200 grand that's in any decent kind of condition. He said there needs to be some sort of funding for affordable housing, some type of organization that builds houses regularly for people in lower-income bracket, or all these guys are going to make so much money on rental properties, that, and that's not really fair. Uh, there needs to be some sort of funding for affordable housing, some type of organization. Oh, that's double text. I, re- I copied it twice, but um, I, is that kind of what you guys do a little bit? Yeah, that's exactly. You know, good job, Ben, with your comment because you know that's that's exactly. We need to find ways, whether it's through you know federal subsidy, you know, organizations like Cooley Cap and Habitat for Humanity that are you know working in the community to build housing with volunteer labor so that the costs are lower, um, you know, just finding those solutions. And there's not one solution that's going to correct this, but it's going to take, you know, efforts at the federal level, at the state level, at the local level, um, and people just understanding what the issue is and, and really reaching out and making sure that the elected officials put access to housing at a premier level, you know, and, and when we talk about affordable housing anymore, you know, it, it, we used to talk about how it was, it was denied people who were low income, but the, the data that's coming out right now is that middle income, you know, the, our hardworking where most of us sit is finding it harder and harder to find decent and affordable housing. So it, it's starting to make a wave much higher than we have ever been comfortable with seeing. So, you know, it, it's an issue that we need to really, truly kind of hunker down and, and get behind and find solutions to and support, you know, the people at, at all levels that are, are trying to make an impact. Um, and, and Saturday, I think you're, you're, you have a, a news conference at one of these houses. Uh, Dashida, is that her name? Yep, Darshida. Darshida. So, so how many, okay, can you kind of explain what Habitat does? Do you, do you find a dilapidated house and then fix it up and then sell it to somebody at a, or give it to somebody? How, do, how does that work? Yeah, so we do both. We build houses from the bottom up, so we do brand new construction, but we also purchase houses with good bones, and we, we kind of tear them apart and put them back together. Um, and then we get an appraisal of the property, and we actually sell the home to the family for the full appraised value. So whatever that appraisal is, it's a hand up, not a handout. They make a mortgage payment, um, and they pay their full property taxes. The way that Habitat allows lower-income families the opportunity to get into homeownership is that we act as the mortgage holder, and we provide a 0% interest loan. So at 7.125% as a prime interest rate right now, when you take that out of your monthly payment, that starts leveling the playing field and allows low-income families an opportunity to have safe and affordable housing, to build wealth, 
for them and their families to connect to their communities. Does that get harder because the appraisal value is rising? Yes, and so that has been a challenge over the last few years. We have to bring in down payment assistance uh, for these families because even just taking out the interest rate is no longer enough to bring these houses down to an affordable monthly payment. I remember when I first moved to La Crosse, I think I looked at a coolie cap home under the same kind of circumstances, and it was an awesome home. But I think I think the, the only hook was when you sold it, you sold it at what you bought it for, so you didn't get any. Is there is there something like that where a Habitat home, I buy it, you give it, you you sell it to me, and then if I want to sell it, do is there any hooks there when I want to resell it? So there are some really wonderful models out there. So Cooley Cap uh, runs a program called the uh, Cooley Land Trust, and it's not you don't get you you get a fairly large chunk of the appreciated value of the home, so mm-hmm. you get what you paid, but you also get some of the appreciated value back, but not all of it. Um, so in Cooley Cap's model, the homeowner gets 70% of the appreciated value, and then that 30% is kind of kept so that that gap as housing prices go up is mitigated. And so it helps kind of keep homes perpetually affordable because when house prices can double in 10 years, that just means that nonprofits and federal programs have to provide more and more and more down payment assistance to get low-income families into the exact same homes. Right. And so this helps to kind of create this kind of revolving affordability in one home. So you only basically have to put that money in once, and then that shared appreciation allows it to kind of continually be affordable for families. Is that a little different with Habitat, or do you have to stay in that home for a certain period of time, something like that? So we do ask that the families stay in the home. Uh, we have a shared appreciation for the first 10 years so that, it, you know, after all the hard work that our volunteers do and the work that we put into the home ownership, that we, want, we truly want it to be an investment. Um, but we actually, out of the 70 homes that we've had, we've only actually had three homeowners that have moved. So, you know, families, when they, when they get into these homes, it's, it's their forever homes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and oh yeah, and you said seventy homes, and and one you're kind of unveiling one. And the unique thing about this, you you talk about it a little bit, but I don't think people understand is the person that's moving into this house has actually got a hammer and nails or, or some kind of they're do they're putting in you call it sweat equity, I think, right? Yes, correct. And each of our homeowners has to do between three hundred and fifty and four hundred hours of sweat equity. You know, so that's an additional thirty to forty hours a month. So it's kind of, it's basically like having a part time job. Um, putting back, but it's, it also, it, it allows our volunteers to meet and work with the families they're helping, which is wonderful. It teaches them construction skills, which is important for being a first time homeowner. But it also, again, is that idea of the hand up, not a handout, you know, the giving back in order to get, um, that 0% interest mortgage that they receive from Habitat. And 70 homes you've done this with how, how many years over, you know, how many homes a year are you doing? Or selling or so giving are, away? Or... We have 10 homes under construction right now. So um, a few years ago, we, we were doing about a house a year, not even quite a home a year. Um, but we we reached out and raised some funds in the community. And uh, right now, like I said, we have, we have 10 homes for families. And we could probably triple, quadruple that number and still not be building enough homes for the number of families that are applying to our program every year. All right, so I, I have this question. I know we have these like four questions, and we're never getting to them. But are there too many rentals? Are there too many rentals in Lacrosse? We're in this unique situation where the river's on one side, the bluffs on the other. You can only build so many homes in the area, but then we have 
two universities and Western Tech and, you know, obviously other people that can't afford to buy a house have to rent. Uh, is the is the percentage of rentals versus property that you can own homes that you can own good here or, or does it need to be does it need to be swayed one way or the other? Yeah, we definitely are a little lopsided in the city of La Crosse. So, you know, kind of the the federal rule of thumb when looking at, you know, what you should have as your balance of rental to home ownership um, is about a 60% home ownership and a 40% rental rate. We, we've swapped that in the city of La Crosse. So we've got about 60% rentals and 40% home ownership. And so it's not a good balance, but there's also, um, there's still a need for rental in the city of La Crosse because of our wonderful universities and, and our you know, what we have in the city of La Crosse, the hard part is there's, it's hard to put rentals in. Um, and so the city of La Crosse should be looking more at, you know, density housing, you know, so being able to put larger um, multi-unit rentals out there because there's just no place to put them. Because right now, you know, vacancy rates for rentals in the city of La Crosse hover around 1%. So it's a, it's a basic supply and demand issue. There's a huge demand. And so, you know, the, the supply can ask for basically what it wants. So you can have really high rental, uh, um, you know, monthly rental amounts. You can have, you know, distressed and deferred maintenance on your properties. And there's no motivation to change because there's so many people who are looking for rents, you know, apartments. So, um, you know, it's kind of one of those questions, like, is there too many? Yes. Um but is there not enough? Yes. So we need more of everything. We need more rentals. We need more homes. We need more affordable homes. And so La Crosse has to kind of take a look at how do we make that happen when we're kind of landlocked with the river and the bluff. Well, not just affordable homes, but if you're going to put in rentals, then they need to be affordable rentals. The The rent has can't be $2,500 a month or something like that. Because the whole point of this is, and I know there was a texter that said, you know, why are we trying to help low-income people all the time with this, is who do you think has most of the jobs in the area? Like, there's there's obviously high-paying jobs in the area, but there's a lot more low-income jobs, you know, minimum wage, $10, $15 an hour, and those people can only afford to live in places that they can afford to live. And if they don't have that affordability here, then they don't live here, and then those jobs are, you know, empty. And then we see the, you know, the job shortages. Absolutely. So service industry jobs are the number one job in the city of La Crosse. You know, that's that's what we need. That's what is supported in our community. And so we have to make sure that we have housing that supports the types of jobs that we are, need and have in the city of La Crosse. And so, again, that's where you take that step back and, and really, truly understand what are the housing needs of your community by taking a look at who's here, what are they looking for, what are their incomes, and how do we make sure that we're investing, you know, all of our dollars in all of the different housing needs that our community has, right size, right price housing in our communities. Yeah, and then on top of that, another one of the questions that, that you put out to the city council candidates was just racial disparities. What meaningful steps will you take to address the root problems of racial disparities in housing? Uh, home ownership among black Americans is the third lowest in the nation here in Wisconsin, and the black-white home ownership gap is like 60% of white people own homes to 10% black people. So uh, that's that's an insane number as well. Yes, absolutely. And and there's roots in, in the state of Wisconsin. You know, we've, we're an older state in the union, so that means that we've had a lot of different laws on the books that has made it um, almost impossible for people of color to own homes in our communities, and La Crosse is definitely not immune to this history, and it prevails to this date. And, 
you know, the inability for people to have gotten into the housing market because of uh, racially motivated laws means that, you know, black and colored populations have not been able to build wealth the way their white or their white counterparts have been able to do over the years. And, and that's created this huge, giant gap in wealth ownership uh, among people of color and the white population. And that's, that prevents a lot of upward mobility that a lot of us who have had the privilege of, you know, having multi-generational families that have owned homes, you know, we don't realize like what that trajectory has meant to us as far as our education and, you know, our ability to find work and our ability to make down payments on our homes. Um, and so this, this huge disparity has a lot of long-standing history and long-standing impacts to it. All right. That's Kaya Fox, the executive director of Habitat Lacrosse. I'll just do it like that. Um, thanks, Kaya. We need another hour. So we'll just have to bring you back a couple of weeks and keep, keep this conversation going. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rick. All right. We'll be back after this. All right, just a minute here to wrap up. Thanks again to Kaya Fax, Habitat for Humanity, Lacrosse Area Executive Director. Yep, probably needed another hour to talk about that. We got to like one and a half of the four questions, I think. And specifically, though, I, I believe like the conversation we had there generally kind of hit on a little bit of everything there when it came to, to the four questions that were put out to city council uh, candidates. Only two of them answered the questions. Uh, Tamara Dickinson and Chris Kalo. Kalo was running unopposed to, I believe. Um, so, you know, there wasn't even quote unquote incentive there to answer the questions, but it was, it was kind of interesting to see that, you know, with all the city council candidates on the ballot, only two of them answered these really important questions that deal with everything that affects people in, in lacrosse and even in the area. We need affordable housing to live here, to work here. So it's just kind of a big circle. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We'll do it all again tomorrow.